Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special live edition of Fake News Friday here on The Candace Malcolm Show. I'm your host, Candace Malcolm. And as you know, we love Fridays here at True North and here at The Candace Malcolm Show because it gives us an opportunity to look back, reflect on the media and how dishonest they are, how they spin, how they manipulate the truth, how they try to manipulate you. Uh, fortunately, uh, you're too smart for that. You don't fall for their tricks, but so many people do. And we like to go through in some detail of the dishonesty in the legacy media. So joining me today is my producer here on The Candace Malcolm Show and journalist here at True North, Harrison Faulkner. Harrison, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be on, Candace, and glad to uh, glad to do a live FNF. It's uh... It's something I think that we should we should try and look to do more. Exactly. Yeah, we did a live show on Wednesday and it was really fun. So we thought we would try it again here on Friday. So one of the things that's become a theme in Canadian media is that all of these Canadian symbols that they used to relish in, they used to rally around, they used to promote uh, have now suddenly become passe and unacceptable, whether it be the uh, name, uh, the, the word freedom itself, uh, apparently, uh, we're told is hateful and represents uh, extremism or something like that. And, and the Canadian flag, uh, we've seen more and more people in the legacy media telling us on Twitter and through news stories, fake news stories, that the Canadian flag does not represent anything good anymore. It now represents sort of the worst of the worst. And it's just so interesting and almost ironic Harrison, that exact time as they're throwing out the Canadian flag, saying it represents something uh, beyond the pale and reprehensible, uh, we see them rallying around the Ukraine flag, which I get it. We're in a, in a conflict. Uh, th there's a global conflict between Russia and Ukraine. The, the world is getting sucked into it. And generally speaking, uh, you know, Ukraine is a side uh, that was attacked, provoked, and and therefore that's you know that's that's the side that we're on apparently. And uh, you know, total unwillingness to look critically at Ukraine, to look at the fact that this is a young country, it is a deeply corrupt country, a country without the same kinds of institutions and connection to freedom, liberalism and democracy like we have in Canada. So it's just bizarre that that, that all of these sort of pristine uh, liberals, media people who you know, think of themselves as elite, they have no time for Canada and all the time in the world for a country like Ukraine. And of course, we see the complete whitewashing of Nazis, the, 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 the infestation of the Nazi ideology and neo-Nazis in Ukraine is becoming a serious problem. So we're going to talk about all that today, Harrison. Let's start with the, with the Canadian flag thing, because we definitely saw this during the Freedom Convoy. Oh, yeah. Where you know legacy media journalists were just triggered by the flag. The whole the, the very sight of the flag is something that that upsets these journalists. If you fly one from your flag, uh, if you fly one from your truck or your vehicle, uh, be careful. You're gonna you know make some liberals cry out there apparently. But uh, we have uh, Linda Steele who is a radio personality down in Vancouver over at CKNW 980, and she wrote this on Twitter. Harrison, she writes, it makes me sad that now when I see someone flying a Canadian flag from their vehicle, I immediately feel uncomfortable, <laughs> sad face. Um, so I, I, I don't really know what, you know, why, what, what led her to, to, to tweet this. I guess she might've been driving down the street and seeing a Canadian flag made her feel uncomfortable. So, so, so as we know, the freedom rally, this freedom convoy had a huge uprising of national unity and patriotism. I really haven't seen much like this in my life. I've, I've said this before, Harrison, I volunteered at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, and I was there at the, at the, the in downtown Vancouver, right at the stadium when Canada won the gold medal in the men's hockey uh, against the United States. It went to, uh, to overtime. Sidney Crosby scored the game winning goal. It was the biggest moment in sports uh, at the time. And Vancouver erupted into this huge patriotic showing of just like 
like love for country. It was a really incredible, amazing experience just to be part of it. And I remember there was some talk afterwards about how Canada had, you know, we were becoming a country of our own and we were embracing our own type of patriotism separate from American patriotism, separate from British. We were just coming into our own kind of thing. And, and I think that the Freedom Rally did something similar. It was this moment of patriotic uprising where Canadians spontaneously went out uh, to truck stops, to overpasses, to the freeways, to cheer on these brave, uh, courageous truckers who were taking a stand for all of us, for our freedom. It was an incredible patriotic moment. I know you were down in Ottawa during the rallies, and, and I think you had, had a similar experience of the patriotism and the love of country and, and, and the symbolism of the flag back to its original purpose, which was representing freedom, or the freedom that we had, the freedom that we fought for. You know, we fought in several wars a, as a nation to defend freedom, not just here, but abroad. And, and so to me, that's all so positive. And it's so strange that some people out there, uh, journalists in our profession are, are triggered by the very sight of it. What, uh, what, what's your take? And, and, and maybe tell us a little bit about what it was like in Ottawa and, and, and how you saw the flag in relation to the Freedom Convoy. Yeah, well, it's funny that you bring up the 2010 Winter Olympics as an example, because that's when I was in Ottawa, that's what I kept thinking about. The fact that, you know, there was so much patriotism and so much pride in being a Canadian uh, the only time, the only thing I could compare it to was what it was like during the Olympics in 2010. Um, and I actually think that this was even bigger than that because there was, there was the whole, there was basically the, the domestic scale of it, which traveled across the country. We saw people lining up over, lining overpasses, waving Canadian flags, uh, but also the Canadian flag made its way across the world as a symbol for freedom, kind of, it restored what it was all about um around the world and so yeah at, at, in ottawa um as many people have have described it it was like canada day but every day for three and a half weeks or for, for however long they were there for two and a half weeks it was it was really incredible to see and um it's 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 kind of crazy that we're at the point where journalists are now triggered at the sight of the canadian flag um it makes you wonder where do where do these people go from here right because uh, there isn't a freer country or there, well, there, there, you, one could make the point, but Canada is one of the freest countries uh, in the world. That flag has always represented that and always represented the Canadian way of life that so many around the world seek um, and, and fight tooth and nail to, to get to Canada. And so it's really, it's, it's kind of like the height of, of um, you know, taking the country for granted. You, you take our freedoms for granted so much so that even the sight of our flag triggers you. It's, uh, it's, it's really kind of nuts. It's, yeah, it's, it's fundamentally a lack of gratitude and a lack of awareness. I mean, maybe some of these people on the left have some kind of a utopian idea of, of a, a freer country or an even better uh, country. The reality is that you're right, Canada is built on all of these institutions and, and this history that we need to preserve, not take for granted and not you know, dismissed just because it isn't, isn't trendy. Well, uh, uh, Linda Steele over at CKNW wasn't the only one triggered by the flag. Uh, here we had a response from a person called Min Dariwal, who is a CBC Edmonton employee. And she says this, she says, you're not alone, Linda. I saw two big flags on the back of a pickup whipping down the white mud <laughs> the other day. And it made me instantly think of how much disrespect and negativity has been associated with it lately. That'll change. It has to. We've come too far 
And so, again, the the, the way that these people see the convoy, the way that they see the uprising uh, of people saying to government enough is enough. You've destroyed our country through your overzealous government COVID policies. It's been a disaster. We need to end that now. We need to move on. And, 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 you know, because it was a group of truckers, it was a group of working class people who, who don't typically engage in politics and policy, these sort of like snobby, um, middle class, comfortable, elite thinking, you know, Laurentian elite wannabes who live in, in places like Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, looking down their nose and, and just the sort of uh, you know, it's dripping in in classism and vitriol towards people that that that, that they don't, you know, their disrespect and negativity associated with it. It's yeah. it's like these people are so out of touch, Harrison, and they don't even they don't even recognize it. No, absolutely. And I think it was at the very beginning of this, or right when um, in in our live show when Trudeau enacted the Emergencies Act, um, and you and Andrew and our editor Harley run a live program. I remember Harley made a point about how the divide is so obvious now that the same the same words that are said or the same symbols that are shown by uh, by different people mean totally different things. So when when these people, when these journalists and like you said, these sort of elites and Laurentian uh, elite wannabes, when they fly the Canadian flag, it means something different than when a working class Canadian flies the Canadian flag. And that is, I think, uh, that's clearly becoming uh, the, that these people have such a different vision or view of this country. And they're, like you said, they're just very, very far removed. Well, I want to, I want to move on to this, this segment here. And we missed this because it was, a, it's a few weeks old, but we had to cover it on this program because it's just so, it's so insane. Um, City News ran a segment uh, basically calling into question the Canadian flag itself, saying that the Canadian flag, just exactly like Linda Steele wrote, the Canadian flag must represent something horrible and evil now that it was being flown at the trucker convoy. So uh, we're going to we're going to move to this clip. But before that, I want to just read the tweet that City News prefaced uh, that they used to write this video. And the tweet says, is the Canadian flag being sullied by the truck convoy? Images of the flag have been associated with the demonstrators and many people are now weary to fly the flag in support of Team Canada at the Olympics in case they are mistaken as convoy supporters. <laughs> so God forbid they're mistaken as people who just want their freedoms back, who are well, peaceful. Well, well th- there, there is some validity to that, Harrison, because you wouldn't want to be mistaken if it meant that Christia Freeland was going to seize your bank account. So so, the, so that's the only Very thing. You know, I, I would be careful flying <laughs> the flag, too, if, if I thought that Christia Freeland was out there you know, willing to steal all your money, basically. Oh, yeah. So let's throw to this clip so we can just watch this absolutely absurd legacy media piece. It's such a shame that people now have to think carefully about whether or not they want to be carrying with pride the Canadian flag. It's one of the saddest outcomes, I think, of this protest. As people cloak themselves in Canadian flags, put them on their pickup trucks or just carry them upside down throughout demonstrations. The questions being asked, is the meaning behind the flag starting to change? Seeing the Canadian flag so closely aligned with these protesters, wearing it, uh, flying it, uh, you know, uh, showing it off on their vehicles and so forth, is starting to have an impact on the image of Canada and on the image of that flag which for so many decades has been a flag that represents freedom and pluralism and progressiveness. 
<laughs> There's so much to get into. Yeah, yeah these stuffy elites that they have sitting there, like, again, looking down their nose and saying that the, the Canadian flag used to represent freedom. It's like, what do you, what do you think the, what do you think the current protests are about? Like, it, it's so bizarre that, you know, the, the whole idea is this is a freedom convoy. These are people who want their lives back after the government has made a terrible mess of our society, not just in terms of its COVID response, but in every element of our society. You can look at education, you can look at our civil society, you can look at businesses, small businesses, you can look at mental health crisis. There's so many issues that have come out of the government's absolutely colossal handling of COVID. And all these people want, Harrison, is their freedom. And now you have these stuffy elites saying, but the flag used to represent freedom and now it represents a different kind of freedom that we don't like. And then I like how he just kind of adds in, the Canadian flag has also always represented pluralism and progressivism. And it's like, I guess it's one of those things you can read into it, whatever you want. Like, you know, oh, to, you know, to me, the Canadian flag has always represented tradition and family. Like you can, you can, you can right. read anything into it, but really, how is that news? You know, this is, this is just a sad state of, of affairs in Canadian news. No, I mean, there's so much there. And this, this piece, they interview this guy, Clive Veroni, who's basically a no name. I've never heard of this guy. Apparently, I guess he's some sort of expert on the flag, but they couldn't find one person to, uh, to defend the Canadian flag or to basically say, well, no, I actually do think that the Canadian flag still represents what it represents to everyone in the world. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but one thing I, one thing I found interesting about being in Ottawa and talking to the protesters who had, who had, you know, traveled with the convoy across the country was that they said that seeing the flag at these events and this, the event itself gave them new hope in Canada. It actually restored their faith in their own country and gave them a, gave them a sort of a new sense of patriotism. And another thing too, is that the trucker convoy inspired protests all over the world for freedom. The whole idea of these protests that we see in France and in Australia um, and in other countries in Europe uh, is all about wanting, wanting to have people get their freedoms back. And what greater, what greater symbol uh, to do that, and you know, than the Canadian flag to have to see that being flown at all these protests around the world? I mean, to me, that's that's an incredible thing to see. That's a that's the kind of thing that makes me makes me love the flag. The fact that it is a symbol for freedom around the world. Yeah, it is. And to me, if I was abroad, it is happens. You know, when if you're flying, if you're traveling around somewhere else, and you see a Canadian flag, to me, I I get, I get really excited and I get really happy. Mm -hmm. I guess I guess that doesn't happen to everyone. Here is David Coletto, who is a liberal pollster, and he this was during this. We had to go back a couple weeks to find this. This was uh, during the height of the protests in Ottawa. And David Coletto writes this. He says, "I'm in California for a few weeks, and on the drive into town." There was a group cheering the Freedom Convoy on an overpass and a few Canadian flags waving. Okay, again, if I had seen this, I would have been thrilled. I would have been like, wow, our flag is making our way, making its way around the world. Uh, not not David Coletto. Note <laughs> to everybody watching that David Coletto has a Ukraine flag in his bio. And right there he's saying, uh, he's saying no to Canada. That's not good. He says, not thrilled at all that our flag has become a symbol of this. Meanwhile, he's got the Ukraine like right front and center. So you, you couldn't have a better uh, contrast there. Out with the old, in with the new. Uh, the Canadian flags cannot be used to represent freedom, folks. Uh, but the Ukraine, we're all about the Ukraine flag. Put that in your bio and everybody stand together. Uh, 
again, to me, Harrison, this is kind of an interesting, again, maybe the class divide. It's like there's kind of two Canadas, right? There's like the people who go out and work for a living, people who work with their hands, people who work with the elements. Canada has always been a country whose economy is based on resource extraction. So the people who work in the resource industry, broadly speaking, the people who keep the country running, right? And then you, you juxtapose that with the sort of Laurentian class of people who, who you know, they live in the downtown cities, not even necessarily along the St. Lawrence seaboard, which is where the uh, name came from Laurentian. It used to sort of represent the sort of Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal corridor. But I think I think there's a little Laurentian elite uh, cities around universities in Canada. And these people just have a totally different impression of Canada. Like to them, Canada is multicultural. It's progressive. It's liberal. It's, you know, the, the, the exactly what Trudeau represents. And to them, seeing the other side of Canada front and center and representing their country on a world stage, you know, it was no longer the Justin Trudeau, the, the, the prim and proper uh, French speaking, uh, you know, sophisticated metropolitan man representing Canada. It was these sort of rugged blue collar truckers who were out doing interviews and, and, and being the face of Canada. And I think that that really, really triggered and shocked uh, the sensibilities of many. And it was it's just really interesting to see because to me, uh, you know, I was cheering on the the uh, uprising for freedom. And, and so many people were clearly uh, dismayed about that. And, and, you know, even seeing seeing the flag abroad uh, triggered them. But I, I, I want to I want to you know, we, we, we talked about the Canadian flag, Harrison, I want to talk about Ukraine, because it's such a stark contrast, right? It's like, you can no longer be proud of Canada. That's out. That's passe. Uh, let's everybody rally around Ukraine. Now, uh, look, uh, Canada has its problems. They pale in comparison to the problems in Ukraine, you know, in being invaded by a larger power, uh, the, the the bloodshed, the, the killing, the wars is truly awful. Ukraine itself, though, it's not perfect, right? And, and yet the dichotomy that we are being expected to be fed here is that Ukraine can do no wrong. And that everything that's bad about them has to be whitewashed and covered up. Uh, Andrew Coyne, another uh, journalist, liberal journalist, uh, wrote this from uh, bringing lines from Christia Freeland. So he's quoting the uh, deputy prime minister, bringing lines from Freeland. There are moments in history when the greatest struggle between freedom and tyranny comes down to one fight in one place, which is waged for all humanity. So she's like ch channeling her inner Winston Churchill here. She says, in 1863, that place was Gettysburg. In 1940, it was the skies above Britain. And now it is Kiev. In 2020, today is Kiev. And so this whole idea is that we are all, we're all Ukrainians now. We're, we're all in Kiev. We're all fighting on behalf of this. We, whether we like it or not, whether we've signed any uh, official war declaration or, you know, whether, whether we ha this has anything to do with Canada, uh, that, that's all out the window. We're all fighting for Ukraine. We're all Ukrainian now. And so it, it's, it's so interesting that, you, you know, you can't, you can't be proud of Canada anymore, uh, but let's all show our patriotism towards a foreign country involved in a foreign conflict, uh, which, which is the, the chant of war, and that's that's the direction that we're heading. That's that's where they're pushing us. And then, of course, you can't say anything bad about Ukraine, uh, despite all of this uh, new appearances that we keep seeing pop up of really bad stuff going on in Ukraine. And I know, Harrison, we've covered this on previous shows, uh, a steady stream of fake news and lies coming out of Ukraine that are often uh, debunked days later. Um, you know, whether we see the corruption that happens uh, in the Ukrainian government. And now uh, it seems like the Ukrainian military has a bit of a Nazi problem, a little bit of a neo-Nazi problem. And as, as much as people in the media can deny it and say it's fringe and it's nothing and it's, it's being overblown and that's Putin propaganda, we keep seeing it. And so uh, earlier this week, we had International Women's Day and we saw NATO 
post a, a, a tweet in, in response to International Women's Day. It says this, all women and girls must live free and equal. This International Women's Day, we think of the remarkable women of Ukraine, their strength, bravery, and resilience are symbolic of a nation. Okay, great message there. And we've got four images here. But uh-oh, uh-oh, let's take a look at that top left image, the, the, the Ukrainian female soldier here. Well, well, what happens when you zoom in, you see that there is a neo-Nazi label, logo, on her uniform. That is a neo-Nazi black sun symbol that represents a Nazi battalion within the Ukrainian military. Oops, uh, better, better delete that tweet. NATO, maybe you should have had someone looking at these images a little more closely. So Harrison, you've done a little bit of research on this symbol, the black sun. What does it mean? Yeah, well, just in our in our preparation for this show, I wanted to make sure I did a quick little Wikipedia search about what this is to get a good understanding of it. And uh, just reading from the, from the Wikipedia page here, it's a Nazi symbol uh, that has been employed in a post-Nazi Germany context by neo-Nazis and also in some strains of Satanism, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's the kind of, it's the kind of symbolism, uh, that, you know, you could, you could basically in that NATO photo, you could, you could kind of excuse someone for not doing that zoom in to not look exactly there, uh, like to look exactly for it. Um, but the problem is Candace is that that photo is not the only time we've seen that, uh, that black sun image come up. Um, I believe we've seen it in other photos as well. I think there was a CTV tweet, if I'm correct. There was a CTV uh, tweet where they also showed this Black Sun image on two female soldiers. And it, so much so, it got so much attention that CTV News had to put up a correction tweet, um, which basically apologized for airing this, this segment or this image with this, with this image on it. So the, the tweet reads, CTV News Vancouver aired a story Tuesday that included an image of two female Ukrainian soldiers who are wearing an offensive symbol on their uniforms. They, they go with offensive symbol, Candace, instead of neo-Nazi uh, symbol. Uh, and it says, which was regrettably not recognized before being broadcast. The image has been removed from our coverage. So, so there you go, Candace. I mean, at least they're owning up to it. But I would say that's a little, a little light on, um, on, the, on, the, on the apology. First well, and you hit the nail on the head there when you said an offensive symbol, right? That's a euphemism. They, they're trying to make you think that, oh, oh, there was an offensive symbol, like maybe it was a profanity or maybe it was it was a swear word or something like that. Uh, no, a Nazi symbol. It was a Nazi symbol. Why wouldn't you just straight out say it? Because no one wants to say anything bad about Ukraine right now. No one wants to throw off Chrissy Freeland's uh, message that this is an all in out civilizational existential war between freedom and tyranny and we all have to side with freedom which has been assigned to the ukrainian team and therefore you cannot question it well it gets even worse because it wasn't just uh, nato it wasn't just ctv we had a former trudeau era cabinet minister uh, former environment minister under the justin trudeau government catherine mckenna who also shared a picture also celebrating two female soldiers, also wearing neo-Nazi symbols. So Catherine McKenna posted this on Twitter. She said that this International Women's Day, standing with the brave women across Ukraine, defending their freedoms, their rights, and their country. Look, I, I, I agree with this message. I think it's a nice message. I think that there are a lot of tremendously brave women out there in Ukraine tremendously brave men as well, much many more tremendously brave men uh, defending their freedoms, defending their country, defending their rights. Uh, that's all good. But again, 
uh, Catherine McKinnon doesn't know what she's talking about because right there, top right corner, you can see the female soldiers, the black vest right there. You can see that Nazi sun. And once you see it, once you know that 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 that's what they use and that's how they recognize uh, that's how they identify themselves, you can't unsee that. And, uh, you know, I know that Catherine McKenna doesn't have the geopolitical insight and the knowledge like uh, Chrissy Freeland, our deputy prime minister, does. Uh, remember, it was last week that uh, that our deputy prime minister, Chrissy Freeland, was posing with a bandera scarf, the scarf that represents a Nazi from Second World War, um, someone who had his hand in overseeing the murder of, of 100,000 plus Poles and Jews. And he, there she was, you know, someone who knows Ukraine inside and out, who, who's lived many years in both U Kiev and Moscow, uh, Christian Freeland cannot be forgiven for making that mistake. She knew exactly what she was holding, what she was doing. Catherine McKenna, on the other hand, I, I don't think that she really has that knowledge. So she unfortunately left that tweet up for uh, several days. I know that Ezra Levantover, the rebel, was uh, heckling her about that, saying, like, why haven't you deleted this? Don't you have anyone to tell you uh, this kind of thing? But but here's the beauty of being a liberal, Harrison. Um you can you can show Nazi symbols. You can sh wave Nazi flags. You can you can have that affiliation front and center. No one's going to hold you account aside from the independent media. The legacy media doesn't bat an eye. Uh, they they roll their eyes. They ignore it. In fact, they do even worse. They jump into the political fray and they begin defending the liberals against the accusations that they shouldn't be waving Nazi flags. Uh, there's so many layers of of, of hypocritis, uh, hypocritical uh, thinking and and behavior because it's like. Hello, you smeared the truckers for one guy waving a swastika. You said that they all were waving, waving swastikas. Meanwhile, we have multiple times now where liberals have posted pictures of Ukrainians with Nazi symbolism. And the media is not only not holding them to accountable account, they're defending them and saying that people who are braising it are uh, Russian shills and propagandists, yeah. as we've uh, seen in the past. Yeah. And, and also, um, there's such a there's such a, a hesitancy on the uh, from conservatives and from people on the right to go and make their voices heard on these on these opportunities. It's not all about politics, but everyone knows that if a conservative were to post a picture like that, the media and the left and liberals, everybody would be ganging up on them. But it seems to it seems that there's such a there's so much hesitation to call attention to this um, and to basically try and basically put a, put up an even fight um, when the liberals do it. And they know that they get away with it and they, they exploit it. Now, one thing I want to say, I mean, the the NATO tweet there there is like I said there is room you could you could basically say that someone didn't see that we could even pull up the the original NATO tweet there so if you look at it there there's no way you would see that black the black sun symbol but if you go to the if you go to the Catherine McKenna tweet it's it's very obvious like you would have to you would have to really be trying not to notice that it's it's white on a black vest so it's very clear what that is you would have to be You'd have to be really trying not to notice it to be sort of, I don't know, playing the playing the ignorance card there. So, yeah, I'm not sure what was going on with McKenna there. But I mean, she wasn't the only person to share that photo. Right. That was that was shared by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's front and center. And it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And there's a broader issue here, Harrison, that is at play, which is that the media have absolutely no interest in looking into this, right? Uh, you know, two weeks ago, a month ago, everyone was really, really concerned that there was some kind of a Nazi infiltration into the trucker convoy. It was never proven. It was never substantiated. It, it was based on nothing. It was based on one provocateur 
showing up at the rally for 10 minutes and then leaving. So, 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 so there was no real basis for that, but the media fixated on it. They were obsessed with it. Justin Trudeau talked about it over and over again to the, his, to the, point of parody where he accused a Jewish MP, a conservative MP of Jewish heritage, of Jewish ethnicity, of standing with those who wave swastikas. So so when it came to the sight of a swastika in Canada, it was so horrendous to us uh, that the media obsessed over it. Okay, I didn't, I didn't ap- appreciate that. I didn't agree with that. But that was the standard that they created. Now, here we have Ukraine. Um, a, a country, a new country, a country that has a lot of civil instability, a lot of infighting in and tribal sort of hatreds that are coming up. There seems to be a pretty clear issue when it comes to this Azov battalion and the neo-Nazi forces at play. But the media has lost any interest in talking about it. As recently, Harrison, as November 2021, interestingly, the media were interested in it. They 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 had a, had a fascination with it. In fact, there were many many stories from that time, from just five, six months ago, of the Canadian media looking into this idea that there were neo-Nazi-linked um, units in the in the Ukrainian military, and that Canadian officials met with them, Canadian officials were linked to them, Canadian officials were training them. And so here, here is one story from the Ottawa Citizen. It says, Canadian officials who met with Ukrainian unit linked to neo-Nazis feared exposure by news media, according to documents. A year before the meeting, Canada's joint force uh, Joint Task Force Ukraine produced a briefing on the Azov Battalion. You can see even in this in this uh, news story, you can see the swastika on, on the on the guy's helmet. I mean, this was a major problem, and the fact that the Canadians were somehow involved with this was something that the media had interest in. They were investigating it. They were looking into it. But then suddenly, as soon as this conflict erupted, and as soon as we had Catherine, or we had Chrissy Freeland shown with that uh, bandera flag. It was like the, the media, and I, and I can just say from personal experience, I posted that story. I think we were one of the first or the first ones to report on it, Harrison. And yep. I was getting so many, so much heckling from our, our colleagues in legacy media on, you know, w- w- wouldn't you defend Christia Freeland? This is obviously, she's obviously not a Nazi, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it was just so interesting to see why are you defending a politician against a journalist like isn't a job of a journalist to expose politicians and hold them accountable why are you trying to hold me accountable um and, and then again like when it comes to any of these stories they just they were interested in it five months ago and now it's not convenient to the trudeau government's narrative so you just don't cover it anymore yeah it's 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 unfortunate because we're not taking a side at true north it's all, what, what we're trying to do is just basically tell tell what's happening from an unbiased perspective on this issue to basically say that, yes, the deputy prime minister was holding a scarf that is a, that has neo-Nazi connections. That is clear. And that's what we are doing. So the idea that the idea that you are on the side of Russia, if you are criticizing government leaders for bad for, for bad mistakes, mistakes that they even admit to, because Freeland deleted that tweet. So if it wasn't a problem, like the legacy media are trying to paint it as, and she wouldn't she would have no reason to delete that. McKenna would have no reason to delete her tweet. The idea that you are a Russian uh, propagandist if you criticize the Canadian government is a slippery slope that people aren't really seeming to pay that much attention to. The fact that anybody who's critical of the government is some sort of foreign agent, that's a a bad state for, uh, for our media to be in. 
Absolutely. I want to I want to address something uh, someone mentioned in the comments here. They said, please stop calling Ukrainian people. Nazis studied the history before speaking. Nazi uh, Ukraine became home to thousands of thousands of Jews uh, during the Second World War. So uh, calling them all Nazis is untrue. Of course, I completely agree with that. I don't think that the Ukrainians are Nazis by any means, by any extent. I think that there is a small group of people who have infiltrated and there's clearly a problem. There is clearly a, a group of people in that country, not all of them. I, I, I don't even think it's a significant percentage. It's a small group. However, they're part of the military. They have their own battalion. It's called the Azov Battalion. So the fact that there is some uh, something of, of appeal uh, um, amongst this ideology, this, this far-right uh, group, it, it is a concern. And just to compare it back to Canada, right? I, I don't think that Canada has a real Nazi problem. I don't think that there's a real Nazi presence in this country. I think it's really, really exaggerated. I think that there's a very, if there, if there are real Nazis in Canada, I've never met one. I've never seen one. They're not active. They don't go, they're not involved in the political system in any way, shape or form. There's no home for them anywhere. Um, it, despite that fact, the media are constantly trying to invent this idea that there's a, a, a fringe far right in Canada and it's infiltrating the conservative party and the conservative movement. That is a lie. Uh, whereas when, when it comes to Ukraine, I, I don't know. I don't know the extent of this issue. I don't know the extent of the of the influence that they have. I'll, I will just say from the reports that I've read and my analysis looking at the situation, it seems like that is a more of a real accusation and more of a real problem. There's something there there. Um, where that isn't the case in Canada. So so that's that's my only point here. And I, I by no means believe, uh, and I didn't say that you, Ukraine Ukrainians are Nazis. That's that's absolutely uh, false. They uh, they many most fought against Nazis during the Second World War, and uh, that's 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 history as well. So uh, thanks for the question. And uh, that's part of the fun, Harrison, of doing these shows live is you can you can react and talk about. Um, these people, but, but, you know, there, there were several of these types of stories that were definitely of interest on the political left, um, people pointing out the fact that Canada was, through our military, was connected to right-wing extremists. Um, we were funding them, and the government was, was well aware of that. Um, so I, I don't expect the media to hold Justin Trudeau to his account. Uh, I don't expect him to have the same standards uh, as they hold to the conservatives and the opposition and the truckers. Um, but the, the 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 hypocrisy is just blaring on this one, Harrison. What do you think? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right that we are by no means calling all Ukrainians Nazis. That's that's clearly overblown. Um, what we're just saying is that there is a public interest angle in Canada's engagement with Ukraine and what is being posted to social media that is what our job is so that's all we're doing um and i think it's i think it's i think when the prime minister accuses conservative mps of standing with swastikas then and and, and then turns a complete blind eye to what's happening in ukraine with plenty of evidence to document um to document what's going on that's that's then where journalists like us at true north have to step in and to call it like we see it and say what and basically do our job as journalists. So yeah, I think it's important to clarify that of course we're not saying that all about all Ukrainians. Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, we, we have to do a job that some people may not find comfortable. That's often what, what happens in journalism. It's not comfortable to talk about. Um, but when the prime minister accuses Canadians and conservatives of standing with people who have swastikas, they should expect uh, to get some sort of response when there is evidence and when there's something to be said about that. 
Yeah, no, and it's so true. And even just, you know, there's a large uh, Ukrainian diaspora in Canada. I think Canada is the largest Ukrainian population outside of Ukraine. So so there's a lot of a, a lot of people who have their own connections, their own family history. And it's interesting. I have a lot of Ukrainian friends. I lived in Alberta for many years, and there's a lot of people, especially in northern Alberta, that are from Ukraine. And I've been trying to talk to as many of these friends as possible, especially people who still have family back in Ukraine. And one of the things I found that's really interesting, Harrison, is that there's no one way of thinking about Ukraine and, and their country. It really almost depends on what part of the country they're from, uh, what you know, where their ancestors were, when they left, and when they came to Canada. Because U Ukraine is a very diverse uh, place, right? So if you're Ukrainian but of Polish heritage, you might have a very, very negative idea of Bandera and the role that he played. Uh, where, whereas if you were someone that was uh, Ukrainian from Kiev or something like that, um, wanting to fight against the Soviets, you would be more for that. So it's interesting when you when when we look at, at figures like Bandera and look back at the Second World War, uh, it's important to preface, and I always try to do this in my reports, that some people view him as a national hero. And there are statues and there are streets named after him. And I'm talking about Stefan Bandera, the, the Nazi leader um, who started uh, one of these movements, one of these uh, far-right movements today. It's not all seen in the same light. And, and certainly, you know, I have Ukrainian friends that are Russian-speaking, that come from Russian heritage. So it's, it's, it's definitely a complex place. And I, th I think that our, our line of criticism mostly focuses back on Canada and of the just pure hypocrisy when it comes to the way that the media and politicians criticize some flags and not others. And of course, the great irony that we want to cover today was the fact that so many of these journalists are saying out with the Canadian flag and in with the Ukrainian flag. So I'll give the final word to you, Harrison. What we've seen here is by outlets like True North and other outlets that are their best to to tell like it is and not be biased, not be by the government. It's why it's so important because we've seen it time and time again that journalists in this country, mainstream journalists, are are taking a side and are sticking with that side and are excusing um, what is newsworthy. And so again, I just think. It's it. This goes to show exactly outlets like True North are, are are so important because you know these conversations and we can't just gloss over the fact. So there's a level of nuance and there's there's context that without being part without being from Ukraine or without living there, we just don't know what it's exactly like. So you know journalists are doing their best. Um, I think some could do a lot better than they are, uh, of course. But that being said, I think you know what we, what we've discussed here is important stuff to talk about. Um, and when Christia Freeland and Catherine McKenna engage in these sorts of issues, they should expect that Canadian journalists are going to hold them to account. And if conservatives in parliament aren't going to do that, or if opposition people in parliament aren't journalists, then I guess it'll end up having to be us, right? So that's kind of the way I view it. Yeah, absolutely. I think journalists could be doing a lot better. And instead of blindly uh, marching us towards a war that we really don't understand a lot of the basis behind and we really shouldn't be involved in at all. Uh, journalists partially play the role, uh, bear the blame for, for a lot of the misinformation. So do, so do our leaders, by the way, who are so happy and so quick to censor and to try to shut down what they call misinformation. You know, it, it's, it's kind of terrifying to see the, the united act uh, against 
promoting Russians. Like there was even something on Facebook saying that they changed their policies, allowing for people uh, to basically incite violence against Russians right now. They, they usually have a policy that prevents that, uh, but they're pausing it and allowing people to temporarily incite violence, which is terrifying because it's like, you know, we have these principles, we have these norms, we believe in liberty. And if we allow ourselves to throw them out at a moment like this, uh, we're not going to be able to easily get those back. Well, Harrison, uh, thanks so much for joining us for a live edition here. It's been fun. And uh, we'll be back again next week. That's Harrison Faulkner, True North journalist and producer here at The Kenneth Malcolm Show. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.